If you open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're continuing our series entitled Community on Mission. Community on Mission. By way of introduction, once again, just to remind us, the book of 1 John is a treatise on Christian love, the love that God demonstrates towards us and the love, as we stated, that we're called to reflect back to him and also to each other. The instructions uh, found in 1 John help us to see that Christian love calls, it, it, it helps us to understand what Christian love calls us to do, but it also shows us what we're not to do. Ultimately, 1 John lays out a blueprint for the values of spiritual community deeply rooted in God's truth and engaging God's mission, God's desires, his will upon the earth. As such, each of us has specific ways we are tempted towards, as we shared with you last time, self-centeredness. When we speak of community, we're actually talking about God-centeredness. The sin that we saw Adam and Eve commit in the garden centered around themselves. They got their eyes off of God, off of their fellowship with God. They became self-centered or self-serving. The Holy Spirit captures more and more of our hearts, and as it captivates us and captures our hearts, our desires and affections are restored back to God's original intent, back to what God desired in the garden. That again of God-centeredness. We begin to practice our righteousness in Christ through our obedience and exuding acts of righteousness. And I will say this, uh, it is my belief that changed behavior is thus the evidence of a changed heart. Where the heart has been changed, the behavior will change. When the heart is restored, you will see changes within our activities, within our behaviors. So the Holy Spirit comes to help us. Without the Holy Spirit, inevitably, we will fail. It's not a matter of us just saying, I won't do this, I won't do this, I won't do this. Or even, I will do this, I will do this. It is a matter of us acknowledging the helper, the comforter, the one who dwells on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit, who has come to help us practice righteousness. New practices come from the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. If you recall, I shared with you uh, the passage there in uh, Galatians 5 and verse 22 where it shares with us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in my critical analysis, even of that text, I would submit to you that although we list it off as a plural, a list of fruits, a list of fruit, all of those things. I, I would submit to you by way of critical analysis that really the fruit of the Spirit is that of love. 
and the following are the attributes of love. In other words, if you get love down, the others will be there. Now, again, that's just my critical analysis, much like we would do with those who argue whether there is a five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, or the teacher, or those who argue that, no, it's a four-fold ministry, that the pastor and the teacher are one. They're one. So, again, we, we can get, you know, critical about that. I, I'm just saving you the time of sending me an email because <laughs> it really does not diminish the context of the text. It doesn't take away from what the text is saying to us. The fact is, is that God is love. And, again, the attributes of love are those things that we see listed there in the fruit of the Spirit or in the text there in Galatians. So again, the Holy Spirit comes to help us through the fruit of the Spirit and purifies and prepares us to do ministry as, again, Dr. King would say, as the beloved community. The beloved community. Here's our fill-in if you'll take your brochure that you received, uh, your bulletin you received this morning, if you fill this in. Two words here. New practices come from a new heart. New practices come from a new heart. First John 3, verses 1 through 3, we read, See what kind of love the Father has given. I want you to notice here, he opens up, John says, See, observe. Remember we shared with you, love is not merely an emotion. Some people only embrace love as though it is an emotion. You know, I feel love. I feel in love. And then when that emotion is not there, then we think that there is an absence of love. So again, the, the feeling, you know, you know, the righteous brothers. I've lost that loving feeling oh that loving feeling now it's gone 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 come on finish it oh <laughs> love has to be more than an emotion it is an action it is that which does something you see, not merely an emotion. That's why John could say here, see what kind of love, see the actions of love. The Father, notice here, has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. I love that. Because we shall see him as he is. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? Yeah. Indeed he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him sits around and twiddles their thumbs. No, the text says everyone who has this hope in Christ does what? They purify themselves. 
She purifies herself. He purifies himself as he, God, is pure. I saw this text really jump off the pages for me recently. Uh, in fact, day before yesterday, I was summoned to Kaiser Roseville to go to the bedside of a gentleman in whom I performed his wedding, in his wife's wedding several years ago, young man. And uh, since then, the Lord blessed them with six children. And they have six beautiful children. And uh, But he was in the ICU, and uh, the doctor said that he had one of the most rarest forms of cancer that they'd ever seen. They'd never seen any cancer diagnosis like this. And uh, so as he was in the ICU, my wife had gone the night before to sit with his wife, and uh, my wife came home and said, he wants to see you. And when I got to the hospital the day before yesterday, walked in, and uh, the doctors had said they had done all that they could do, and we had been praying and believing God for him over the last couple of years since he had been diagnosed. And he asked me to come close to his side that he could hear me well on, and uh, as I was speaking to him, his, while his wife says, do you know whose voice that is? Do you know who's in the room? And he says, that's the bishop. And uh, he looked over at me and he said, Bishop, I want to thank you for all that you have deposited in me through the Word of God over these years. It means more to me now than you ever could imagine. And the moment he said that, as I looked at him and I told him, I said, Son, I said, you have done so well. I said, Man, you are showing us what faith looks like. You're showing us what it means to not just live by faith, but to die in faith. And I said, that's powerful. I said, I'm so proud of you. And this great big old smile just broke out across his face. And I began to realize that what we're doing right now, everything about this, the teaching of God's Word, the worship, the praise, the coming together as family in this house, all that we're doing, that we do week after week after week, it is cultivating community. Uh, let me put it this way. We need this. We, we need it more than the three people that responded. We need this. What is happening now, and this is not to knock live stream because we're grateful for all of you that are watching by live stream, but live stream can never ever, ever replicate what's happening right now in this room. There's something that happens as we walk into the room, walk into the building, walk across the parking lot, greet each other, smile at each other. We need what is happening right this very moment. It means to us that we have a hope and there is an activity of purification cleansing, washing that is taking place. After being out on our jobs, being out in the streets, being out in the community, we come here and we're experiencing just by community cleansing, washing. Let me read to you Galatians 5. And I'm going to read it in the Message Bible as presented to us by 
Eugene Peterson, who went to be with the Lord on this week. And uh, I, I thought about this because both the gentleman I told you that I prayed with the night before, he went to be with the Lord yesterday morning. And then Eugene Peterson went to be with the Lord earlier this week. And both men had hope. They said Eugene Peterson, as he was taking his last breath, opened his eyes and looked at his family and said, let's go. Let's go. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says in Galatians 5, 18 through 25. Listen to the detail of it. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, not lovelace. (laughs) Loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzy and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly, listen to this, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you see your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way the fruit appears, that fruit appears in an orchard. Orchard, things of affection, like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things in people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Have you found that to be the case? Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good. It is crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not Just hold it as an idea in our heads or sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That's a powerful word. Not just holding it as an idea or a nice sentiment, but let's work it out. Let's work out the implications of it in every detail of our life. Look with me in verse 4 of 1 John. 1 John 3 and 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. 
Let me put it in a way that translates into what we've been talking about. Sin disconnects from our true identity. Sin disconnects us from our true identity in Christ, thus leaving us without confidence. Now, I realize that in many church circles today, that's a word that you will not hear often. You can go into a congregation a whole month and never hear the word sin. We don't call it sin. We call it issues. (laughs) Challenges. Problems. There's there's something, I guess, that's sweet about saying, you know, I I just have some setbacks in life. (laughs) Let's call it what it is today. Sin. Disobedience. Not following what the Lord wants us to do. That which disconnects us from our true identity and I add threatens not necessarily our relationship because that is sealed by the Holy Spirit but it does threaten our fellowship with God. And because it threatens our fellowship with God we're not able to listen and hear the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us in our lives. For you see, beloved, our identity is in Jesus who was without sin. And not only was he without sin, he took our sin. Look at the next verse in verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. He came to remove the dominion and the power that sin attempted to take over our lives. Let me put it to you this way. He came to set us free. He came to set us free from the power of sin. He came to set us free from the ravages of sin. All that sin dishes out and says, I'll offer to you. And yet, when payday comes, we're left with nothing. Jesus came to remove the power, the dominion that sin had over us. Romans 8, 3 through 4 says, For God has done what the law was weakened to do by flesh. The law could reveal sin because the law is righteous. It could reveal sin. It could acknowledge and show us our sin. But one translation says it was powerless to do anything about it. It was powerless to remove it. And so therefore, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes... To help us with the can't help it. I can't help it. I can't help it. I just can't help it. Well, guess what? You got some help. The Holy Spirit has come to help us. The Holy Spirit comes to let you know that's wrong. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit comes to warn us like the robot on Lost in Space. Warning. Warning, Will Robinson. The Holy Spirit comes to let you know that the path that you're heading, that I'm heading, is not a good path. 
And it also helps us to go and get it right. To repent. If, if you can just feel good about sinning and just doing what you do and just, hey, case or raw, or raw, whatever will be, will be. Something's wrong with that picture if you're a child of God. Because I don't know about you, the Holy Spirit will let me know you are out of order. He puts me in check. You've all heard me tell the example of sitting in the living room with my wife, Lady Di, and I was sitting there and in the chair one day and I was in my lazy boy and she was sitting on the couch kind of on the side and she asked me a simple question. She just asked me, what do you want to have for dinner? And I was irritated about something. I don't know what it was, something, you know, at work or what have you. And I turned around and I was like, (laughs) And so she, you know, leaned forward and she said, excuse me? Pardon me? And here's where I made my mistake, fellas. I leaned back. I said, I said, whatever. Now, my wife is from East Palo Alto. Not to be confused with Palo Alto, where the university is. She's on the other side of the freeway. My wife let it be known. She said, oh, wait a minute, player. Back that train up. Back it up. Oh, no. And as much as I tried to move on and just go about and kind of be passe about it, the Holy Spirit says, now you know you were wrong. Go back and repent. And repent to her and say you were wrong for responding like that. The Holy Spirit does not give us passes. He checks us. He lets us know when we're not flowing in fellowship in alignment with God's word. The Holy Spirit will help you check yourself lest you wreck yourself. (laughs) Somebody give God praise for his Holy Spirit in us. (laughs) Hallelujah. Look back in 1 John verses 6 through 10 in chapter 3. Listen to what he says. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness or righteous acts is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy. I like to put it this way. He came to whip the devil. Not whip. Whoop. (laughs) He came to whoop the enemy, to whoop the enemy's power, to strip him of the dominion that he had over our lives. He came to whoop the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. In other words, dear hearts, you just don't just go on and just keep on and just keep on and there's never a check in your heart that says, repent before God, get this right. You know, it's like the person who says, well, you know, you know, Bishop, God knows my heart. That don't scare you? (laughs) I mean, it's scary. There's some things in my heart, dear hearts, that I'm like, Lord, I need you to wash me of this. I need you to cleanse me of this. I need this removed out of my life. Uh, Recently, he's been dealing with me about being critical of others. Being critical. Every little thing, I've got something to say on it. 
Just critical. Just critical. And, 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 I, and here's what's bad is when you are a believer and you got a little word in you and you think you are right, you got something to say on everything about everybody. I, listen, I've got too much of my own business to be taken care of than to be jumping in other folks' gravy. <laughs> Being critical of people. And it may not even be of what comes out of my mouth, just the thoughts of criticism. The thoughts of being critical. I think of the old song that saints used to sing when I was a child. Search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Shine a little light of heaven on my soul. If you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me. I want to be right. I want to be safe. I want to be whole. That's what I want God to do. Search me. Anything that is not like you, God, by your Holy Spirit, reveal it so that I might purify myself in the hope that I have in you so that not only I bring glory to you, but I can help somebody sitting next to me. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's, that's my heart, beloved. I, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, again, those are the acts of righteousness, the acts of obedience, is not of God, nor is the one. Notice he ties it together, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Isn't it amazing? He keeps identifying the whole issue of sin being self-centered. And it keeps us from not only being in fellowship with the Father, but in fellowship one with another. That's why we have to get that sinless short. So that we're available not in a judgmental, not in a critical way, but we're available as those who ourselves know that we miss the mark, know that we do things that are not honoring to God, but we're gaining on it by saying, Lord, no to my flesh, but yes to you. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're fasting. Fasting is a part of a denial of ourselves. It's saying, Lord, I'm saying no, but not just saying no, I'm saying yes to you. You'll hear me say over and over again, the one word that has helped me in my maturing and growth in the Lord over the years has been simply repetitively just saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Whatever you want me to do. Yes, God. I don't belong to myself, God. I belong to you. I'm in your kingdom, oh God. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes to your purpose. Yes to your plan. Even if I don't know exactly what you're getting ready to do or how you want to do it or how you want to use me, I'll say it over and over and over and over again. I'll say, yes, God. Yes to you. What am I doing? I'm saying yes to him and simultaneously saying no to me. No to what Lovelace wants to do. No to how I want to do it. With whom I want to do it how I want to do it, when I want to do it. That's what he calls us to. Come on, tap somebody next to you and say, he ain't talking to you, he's talking to the person next to you. Go ahead and tell him. He's not talking to you. He's talking to the person next to you. 
James 4.17 says these words. He that knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. See, it's not just what we do. At times it can be what we don't do. He that knows to do good, James 4.17, and does not do it, it is sin. That's why we need the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I keep putting the word in me, saying, yes, Lord. The moment I hear your word, the moment I read your word, when I see your word, as we're fasting and praying and looking at the passages, the, the scriptures are coming off the pages, and I'm saying yes to you, Lord. Because, beloved, hear me. Sin, let, 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 me, let me say this. Let's, let's, let's set the record straight. Let's set the record straight, because we have really, unfortunately, in the body of Christ, many people have brought deception and have led us to believe that it's bad to feel shame or bad to feel guilt when we sin. Can I tell you, shame and guilt when you and I sin is an appropriate response. Okay, let's try this side. You all were a little bit more responsive. They're a little challenged with it. Let's try it one more time. Shame and guilt when you and I are in disobedient to the Father is an appropriate response. It really is. But watch this. Shame, guilt, but then don't just waller in that change. Shame, guilt, and then by confession and repentance and yielding to the Holy Spirit and yielding to the Word of God and saying yes to God's will, change. That's an appropriate response. If you can go ahead and just waller and live in sin and do things that are disobedient to God, if I can just do that, I mean, like the old hymn, I was sinking deep in sin. Whee! <laughs> Something's wrong with that picture. Romans 6, 5 through 14. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united in him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For one, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but you are under grace. Would you please lean over and tell someone on your right and on your left, tell them these words, we have been set free.
Our posture and practice of righteousness strengthens both our personal and our community identity. 1 John 3, 11 through 12 tells us these words, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder Abel? Because his own deeds were evil or self-centered. And Abel's deeds were righteous or God-centered. What do we do then with sin? What do we do with it? Because we still blow it. We still mess up. We still have impure thoughts. We still have things that seek to captivate us and draw us away from our identity in Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And look at this, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, isn't that powerful? That's so powerful. You know, I remember sitting with a group of pastors once, and we were sitting in a meeting, and I asked them, what do you have to do to be saved? And the pastors responded. These were pastors. They said, well, you have to confess your sins. Confess your sins to be saved. And I said, really? They said, yeah. You confess your sins and you'll be saved. I said, really? They said, yeah, yeah. Confess your sins and you'll be saved. I said, really? Because I said, the challenge I have with that, one, if it was a matter of me confessing my sins in order to be saved, chances are I would have never been saved because I would have left out one of them jokers. (laughs) You understand? I said, what does the text say in Romans 10, 8 and 9? It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say if you confess your sins. It says if you confess Jesus. Can I submit something to you, beloved? The confession of sins is not so you can get saved. The confession of sins is because you are saved. The confession of Christ is what confirms your relationship. The confession of sins is what affirms your relationship. Did you catch that? Subtle words there. Confirm, affirm. I confess Jesus. I can sit there all day and confess my sins and never be saved. But when I confess Him and I believe it in my heart, I'm saved. And then to keep that sinless short, every time I blow it, every time I mess up, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I messed up. That affirms my fellowship and my relationship that I have with the Lord. Someone might say, well, what do you need? Which one do you need? What do you do? Do you confess him or do you confess your sins? Both. I need to do both. Let me give you, before we close here, some confessions that I want you to speak out with me and I want you to do so boldly. We're going to put them up on the screen and we're going to read them together. And I want you to read them with some enthusiasm. This is not your inside voice. 
okay? I need you to use your outside voice, okay? But I need you to not just, the, the word is in your mouth, but it's also resonating within your heart. And I want you to say it real strong with me. Here's the first one. Let's read it together. Sin no longer, do they have it up there? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Sin no longer has dominion over my life. I am in the kingdom of God and God's wisdom. His word is expressed through me. Let's just resonate on that for a moment. Hallelujah. Sin no longer has dominion. Number two, let's read it together. Read with me. I confess that I am set free from the spirit of criticism. I am seeking to build others and not tear others down. That's our confession. Here's the next one. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind. God's word is changing my thinking. My practices in every area of my life. Somebody say hallelujah. Here's another one. Come on, let's do it together. I am practicing who I've been created to be in Christ. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And here's another one. Let's say it together. I am of God. I am in God. Therefore, I am free to love others as I have been loved. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise there. And the last one, the last one reading together, we are indeed a community on mission. As we close our time together, in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a time of repentance and confession before the Lord. I'm in just a moment going to kneel here in the front. I realize that for many of you, it would not be physically comfortable or even possible for you to kneel there at your seat. I understand that some would feel comfortable doing that. But I'm going to encourage all of us collectively to use the front portion of the chair that is in front of you as an altar in which you would lean yourself forward and in the moment as we call upon the Lord that you would use that as a time that we together would just repent individually and collectively and ask God as we confess our sins knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. You here are so accustomed to the person standing here on the stage using their voice to pray and lift their voice and silently observe. But I need you to do something else different today. As I told you, I need you to not use your inside voice. I need you to pray with me. Don't leave me praying by myself. I need you to vocalize your prayers of repentance and thanksgiving before the Lord. And let's call on the Lord together. Let's do it now. Come, let's pray. Hallelujah. Lift those voices. Call upon him as a congregation. Cry before the Lord. Cry out before him. Let me hear you call upon him and speak to him. Let there be, as it were, a holy murmur in the place. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, O God. O God. 
cleanse us, to purify us. That's it, beloved. Lift those voices. Purify us, oh God. Cleanse us, oh God. Wash us, oh God. By your blood. Oh God. Oh God. Jesus, our advocate. Jesus, our brother. Impure ways. Blatant disregard. Jesus, when we knew to do good, but we did not. Oh, God, cleanse us, wash us. Hey, wash us, oh God. Jesus, 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 create in me a clean heart and purify me. Purify me, create in me a clean heart so I may worship thee. Create in a clean heart and purify me, purify me, create in me, Jesus, a clean heart so I May worship thee. Will you stand with me? Let's sing it together as we get ready to go. Create in me a clean heart. Lift those hands and purify me, Jesus. 
purify me, create in me a clean heart so I may worship Thee, so I may worship Thee, so I may worship in spirit and in truth, so I may worship Now, hold your applause and do with your mouth where the word is what your hands would do and vocalize your worship to God. Lift those praises all over the room. Hey, God, fill this house. Lift those voices. God, we give you praise. 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 We bless your name, oh God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. We give you glory, oh God. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Prayer team, will you come forward? The prayer team's going to be in the front. If you desire to know the Lord as your Savior, if we can lead you in receiving Him, or you need prayer for healing, come forward. And we want to pray with you. we got a whole world to reach out to, loved ones. Go out there and reach them for the Lord Jesus. God bless you.